this is Thanksgiving weekend, and I have a lot of kind of purposes in my mind for this service. One of them is to prepare you for your Thanksgiving feast with your family, with your friends around your table. This outline that you have, uh, I wrote this with a lot of verses so that around your table you can share those verses by way of thanks to God, thanking God for who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. But I've also shared this, or I also have a purpose for this service of not, uh, not having us just say that we're thankful, but to show that we're thankful. In fact, will you write that down? God just doesn't want us to say that we're thankful. He wants us to show that we're thankful. And he wants us to show that we're thankful 24-7. I want to look at this Thanksgiving and talk about living a thankful life. It is oftentimes said that God's gift to you is the life that he gave you. Your gift back to God is what you do with your life. And God says, one of the things that I want you to do, in fact, I want it to be a major theme of your life, is to be thankful. What I want to suggest today is that if you adopt thankfulness as a lifestyle, if you make your life a thank you note to God continually, and not just a holiday thing, it will dramatically increase your happiness your satisfaction in life, making your life more meaningful and more significant. God says, I want your life to reflect thankfulness all the time. Take a look at this verse out of Psalms 50, verse 23. The sacrifice that honors me is, the, is a thankful heart. What God wants more than anything else is an attitude of gratitude, and he doesn't want that just for himself. Folks, he wants that for you. Scientists have discovered that having an attitude of gratitude is the healthiest emotion that you can have. It betters your health than any other emotion. And so today, I want us to take a look at why our life should be a thank you note to God, why we should have a lifestyle of thankfulness 24-7. And these verses that we're going to share, that you can share around your Thanksgiving table, come out of the book of Psalms. If there is one book that has a theme of thankfulness, it's the book of Psalms. Thankfulness is mentioned in Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. And so let's get started and take a look at this. Let's say that we're thankful and then let's show that we're thankful. The first reason that you and I should live a life and can live a life of gratefulness is because of who God is. Now, if God was a mean God, if he was a mad God, folks, there'd be no reason to, to be grateful to him, to be thankful for him, okay? If he, if he was aloof, if he was uh, uncaring, if he was indifferent, if he was inconsistent or unreliable or evil or, or hateful or puny or weak because he couldn't solve any problems, there would be no reason for you and I to be grateful to him. But none of those things are true. In fact, just the opposite, the Bible tells us. Take a look at, at this one out of Psalms 145, verse 3. 
The Lord is great. He is worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. Why is God's greatness worthy of my gratitude? Because God's greatness is big enough to solve my problems. If God is big enough to create the universe, then folks, he's big enough to care for my problems. And a lot of times when we go through life, we don't think that way. Well, a lot of times we think that God is indifferent to our problems. But I guarantee you this, any problem that you bring to God, maybe even during this holiday season, is small to God. Because God is great. Another attribute that you and I can be thankful for is is this. Take a look at Psalms 97, verse 12. Give thanks to God as you remember how holy he is. Will you circle the word holy? This is the second thing that you and I uh, know about God. Holy means that he's pure, that he's perfect, that nobody's like him, that he is without fault. Here's another attribute that you can be grateful for, thankful for around the table about who God is. Take a look at Psalms 107, verse eight. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Will you circle that? No one will ever love you the way God loves you. No man and no woman. The only reason that love even exists in our universe is because God is love. If God wasn't love, folks, we wouldn't be able to give love and we wouldn't be able to receive love. God is love and his love is unfailing. And so we can thank God that he is great. We can thank God that he is holy, that he is pure, that he is without fault. And we can thank God that he is loving. Here's another attribute. Take a look at Psalms 7, verse 17. I will thank the Lord because he is just. Will you circle the word just? That means that God is fair, that he's unprejudiced, that he is unbiased, that he always does what's right. Folks, you can thank God for that. You can thank that God always does what's right. Take a look at Psalms 54, verse 6. I will thank the Lord because he is, will you circle this word, good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. If God wasn't good, guess what? There would be no good in the universe. There would be no good times. We wouldn't have the song, celebrate good time, come on, break, get ready for Christmas tree lighting, okay? We wouldn't have any good times, we wouldn't have any good taste, we wouldn't have any good smells. Folks, we wouldn't have any good food, like Peggy Schmidt's candied pecans. Peggy? Just, okay. God is good. And he is a good God all the time. He is a good creator. And so I can thank God that he is good. I can thank God that he is just and fair. I can thank God that he is holy, that he is pure. I can thank God that he is great. Here is another one. Take a look at Psalms 118 verse 1. Tell the Lord how thankful you are because he is kind and always merciful. Will you circle the word always? I did a heavy Greek study on the word always. And you know what I found? It means always. God is always kind and merciful. Always means always, always. 
It means he's never not merciful. He is never unkind. Some of us grew up with unkind parents, but God is not like your earthly parents. He is a good, he is a kind and merciful father always. So how can we always live a life of thanksgiving? How can our life be a thank you note 24-7? Well, I want to give you a couple of ways. We're just not going to say that we are thankful for who God is. We are going to show each other how we're thankful to God. And the first way is this, by singing to him. Singing about or singing from your heart. Not just singing, but singing from your heart. Let me explain this. Does tone make a difference in your conversations that you have with other people and how it's received? Sure it does. Let's just say that you decided to buy me a gift, a Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt. And you gave it to me, and my response was like Eeyore of Winnie the Pooh. Thank you very much. It's a nice shirt. You would probably walk away from that conversation, that event, going, I don't think he liked it that much. It wouldn't have put a smile on your face. But if you gave me that gift and I responded, a Tommy Bahama shirt? you got to be kidding me. Go, go, God, that is awesome. Thank you so much. You're going to walk away and you're going to have a smile on your face and you're going to think, I think he really liked that. Folks, you and I singing from our hearts puts a smile on God's face. What I am saying to you and I is simply this, that your tone as you sing from your heart makes a difference on how God responds to it. Take a look at Psalms 147, verse 7. Sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to our God. Will you circle the word out? I have watched some of you, okay, and you don't sing. And you say, well, Pastor George, I'm just not a good singer. And I understand that. I would agree with you. You are not a good singer, okay? You're not as good as I am. I break it down. You're going to see it. I'm telling you. Christmas Eve, don't mi- or uh, uh, Christmas tree lighting, don't miss this, okay? But do you know what? God doesn't call us to sing in melody and harmony and all that. He just says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And so we sing from our hearts. The second way that we show that that we are thankful for who God is is by thanking God in prayer. And, And when you and I pray, folks, you don't change your voice. You just talk in conversations as you normally do. You don't go, well, dear God. And you don't change the words that you use. Oh, most high, reverend, omnipotent, omniscient God. Sorry, that was too high. God. No, you just conversationally talk to God and say, God, I really appreciate this. God, I really thank you for this. Take a look at Psalms 105, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord and pray to him. 
The second reason that God wants you and I not just to say that we're thankful, but show it is this, for what he has done. Now the difference between who he is and what he has done is the difference between praise and thankfulness. We praise him for who he is and we thank him for what he has done. Take a look at Psalms 52, verse nine, another great verse to share around the table. I will thank you, God, forever for what you have done. What has God done in your life? He has done a gazillion different things. But let me mention this morning five specifically, very quickly, that you can share around the table. Psalms 148, verse five. Let all things praise the name of the Lord because we were created at his command. Have you ever said, God, thank you for making me? Have you ever said, God, I am fearfully, wonderfully made? God, I like the way I look. God, thank you that I'm a lot better looking than those Presbyterians down the street. God, thank you. You can not only thank God for how he made you, but folks, you can thank God that he saved you. Take a look at Psalms 9, verse 14. I will praise you and rejoice because you saved me. Wow, that's something to be thankful for. Here's another one. He answers prayer. This is a good reason to thank God. Psalms 118, verse 21. I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. If you've ever had a prayer answered, it's a good reason to thank God. You thank him because he created you, because he saved you, because he, he's, he's answered your prayers. Fourth, he gives guidance to your life. Take a look at Psalm 16, verse 7. I praise the Lord because he guides me. How does God guide us? He guides us in all kinds of ways. He guides us through his word, the Bible. He guides us through spiritual teachers like myself. He guides us through our small group leaders. He guides us through circumstances. He guides us through good godly friends. He guides us through impressions or dreams or ideas that he places in our brain. You can be thankful for all of these things. And then the last one is that you can be thankful that he came, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. Take a look at Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. We were spiritually dead because of our sins and our sinful nature. But God gave us new life with Christ. He forgave all our sins and canceled the record that contained all the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Folks, you and I can be thankful that our sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine your mortgage lender calling you and saying, I just want you to understand, we just canceled your debt of $325,000 on your home. Do you know that's the average mortgage in Collin County? $325,000. And if you got a phone call like that, you'd be going, you're kidding me. Wow, thank you. Oh, I am so grateful. And yet that's what Jesus did for you. Circle the first all. He forgave all your sins. Past, present, and the future ones that you're not even knowing about. He canceled the record that contained, will you circle the second all? All the charges against you. All of those that you committed willfully, consciously, omittedly, 
and all those of omission where you haven't. You've totally, you're oblivious to it, unconscious to them. He forgave all of them. And he did that through the cross. Meaning that forgiveness isn't cheap. It's free for you and I. All we have to do is receive it. But it cost Jesus his life. And he never wants you and I to forget that. And so we not only say that we're grateful for our forgiveness, but we show it through communion, through the Lord's Supper, in a liturgy form, through the Mass. Will you, the ushers, come forward? Because we're going to show that we're grateful for what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's go ahead and pass them out. And while they're passing them out, I want us to know, you may be visiting here. You are welcome and free to take communion with our church family. It is for all believers of all different denominational backgrounds. If you are not a follower of Christ, guess what? That's okay. Just let it pass. No judgment, no embarrassment. But this is for all of us believers and followers of Jesus. And I'm going to give us a moment to reflect on all that God has done for us. But as it's being passed out, I want to remind us of some things about the Lord's Supper. That was the first term for these elements in the first, first century because the Lord in the last night and before he was betrayed took supper with his disciples. As Christianity involved, it was then termed communion because, because of Christ's work and us being in him, we are one with Christ and we are one family, one body in Christ. And so it became the term communion. And as Christianity even progressed more and became more liturgical, it was then called mass because the mass would, on the, fi the final giving of this would be sent out in a mass to tell the world the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever you call it, it is a time where Christ tells us that we are to remember his sacrifice. He even says that. I'm giving you these things in remembrance of me. That always shocked me. Because how can we forget that God invaded human history, died on a cross, and resurrected from the grave? But we do, don't we? We get so busy in life that we forget that our names are written in the book of life because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so he instituted these things outwardly in a way of showing one another, hey, remember what I've done for you. And they are symbols. The bread is symbolic of his body and the wine or the juice is symbolic of his blood. The, the bread is symbolic of his body in that he really came. He wasn't a spirit. He wasn't Casper the friendly ghost. He came in flesh so that we could touch him, so that we could look at him eye to eye, so that we could hug him and we, he could hug us. And he shed his blood giving the ultimate sacrifice to institute the new covenant that we can have now because of his blood free access to come into the Holy of Holies and commune with God 
And it is a statement of faith. When we take these elements, we are stating that we do believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, and that he resurrected from the grave. And we believe, as he said, one day I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna serve you. And we do this We celebrate this outwardly, not out of sorrow for the sins that we have committed and not out of grief in that Jesus died. We do it out of gratefulness or thankfulness. When Jesus instituted this, he used a key word. Now, I can't think of what it is, but it's a key word. <laughs> Eucharist. In, in Luke and in Matthew, he says, I give you this bread in thanks, to give thanks for this bread. Take it in remembrance of me. In Matthew, he says the same thing. Take this bread or juice in thankfulness for what I have done for you. And so when we come together as a spiritual family, we're not grieving over his death. We're not sorrowful for our sins. We are thankful. God, thank you so, so very much. And this is what was instituted by the church in 1 Corinthians 10. Peter says, hey, we do this out of thanksgiving to remember the Lord's body and to remember his blood. And so I wanna give us a moment so that you can thank God for what he's already done for you. And then I'll read 1 Corinthians 11, and then we'll take the communion or the elements together. Let's have a moment of of just thanking God. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the juice. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you on this holiday week that you came, that you lived, that you died, and that you resurrected, securing our salvation. We thank you, God, for all the many blessings that we have. God, we can truly say that our boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. We live in America. We live in Collin County. 
We have so many friends and family members and loved ones. And we thank you, God, for them. And we thank you for the family of God. And we thank you that you instituted it through your sacrifice on the cross, that we might be one in you, that we might commune together and commune with you. And God, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me give you two other practical ways that you can show what God has done for you. And that is by sharing the good news with other people. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 12 in verse 4. Thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about his wonderful love. Folks, if I had the cure to cancer and I didn't share it, it'd be an outright crime. If I had the cure for AIDS and I didn't share that, it would be an outright crime. And yet God has given us something better. He's given us forgiveness, that our past can be forgiven. He's given us a purpose for living in the present. He's given us a place in heaven in the future. And God says, I want you to share that. I want you to share my love with other people. Don't just say it, but show it. For three weeks, I've been talking about the blessing in a box right here. I want you to pick one up. Because in the box is a mug, some candy, card of our services, a DVD of the Jesus film that is, as a tool, has seen over 80, 80 million or 800 million people come to Christ through it. What I want you to do is I want you to make something personal and like cookies or pumpkin bread or pot roast for Pastor George. And I want you to put something in personal, a personal gift, and write them a personal note. Because you start off personal things. and Say, you know, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We've had a great one. We, we have been blessed. Our life has been changed as we have gone to Life Point Church. The pastor is so funny there. <laughs> just put in something personal and put it in the box. And during this holiday season, give it to them. Because you not only say that you're saved, you want to show that you're saved. And then there's one other way, by giving an offering. Now, you might think that the pilgrims started this, but they didn't. Take a look at Deuteronomy 16, verse 10. Celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing him a freewill offering in proportion to the blessing he has given you. Look at Psalms 50, verse 14. Give an offering to show your thanks to God. Give him what you have promised. And so at the end of our service, we're going to give our thanksgiving offerings to him. And what he's saying here is that my giving is a demonstration of the level of my gratefulness of how God has blessed me. The third reason why God wants us not just to say it, but to show it, to live our life as a thank you note or as a thank you gift back to God is by what God has promised to do. First, we do so because of who he is. Secondly, we do it for what he's done. But then thirdly, we do it for what he is going to do. 
God is not finished with your life yet. When he is, you got an expiration date, you're going to go to heaven and be with God, be with Jesus. But you're here, and God's not done with you yet, and God has good plans for you. Now, how do you and I know that? How do you know what God has in store for you in your future? I'll tell you how. The promises of God. There are over 7,000 promises in God's word that talk to us about our future. They are like insurance policies. If you don't know what your insurance policy covers, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. If you don't know what your insurance policy covers in the way of your car and you get in a wreck and you go to the collision person, the body shop guy, and you give him $1,000 to repair your car and you then later learned that you had a $0 deductible, do you think you'll get your $1,000 back? I don't think so. Folks, you and I need to know what's in the policy. And there are over 7,000 promises in God's word about your future. Take a look at Psalm 71, verse 22. I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. Have you ever thanked God for, the, for his promises? Because guess what? He didn't have to share them with you. He could have left you in the dark about your future. As you're going through some tumultuous time wondering, oh my God, am I gonna make it? He didn't have to reveal to you what your future is, but he does. You can thank God for that. Let me give you three promises. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will you circle this word, will live Again, are you thankful for life after death? Are you thankful that this is not the end? Folks, I would not want to live forever on this side of eternity because we live in a broken world. This is hell on earth. But God says it's not the end. There is more to come. And so you can come to God and say, God, thank you for eternity future. Here's another one. Take a look at Matthew 6, God will give you everything you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Now notice that this promise is conditional. He says, I will meet all your needs if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What is the kingdom of God? It is God's plan for the world and it's God's plan for you. And if you come to God and say, God, I want to make your plan for the world and your plan for me my number one priority, God says this, I will meet your needs. Are you grateful for that promise? Thank God. God, thank you that I don't, though I don't know the future, I do know who holds the future. And you have said that you will meet my needs if I make you my number one concern. The third great promise is Hebrews 13, five. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Some of you have had others abandon you. Maybe a parent or a partner or some other person in your life and it hurts. When someone abandons you, your heart like breaks and you feel it. I'm sorry. But God says no one 
or God says, I will never, ever abandon you. I will never leave you. That is a promise that you and I can be thankful for. And notice that this promise isn't conditional. It's not based on your performance, whether you are good or whether you are bad. God says, I don't care whether you're good or whether you're bad. I will never, ever forsake you, abandon you, leave you. Have you thanked God for that? How can I thank God who says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you life after death. I'm never going to leave you. Let me give you two ways that you can not just say it, but that you can show it. And the first way is this, by serving him with the abilities that he has given you. You can show your gratefulness by serving. Now, how is it that you and I can serve a God that we cannot see with our eyes? Well, that's real simple. By serving those who we can see with our eyes. That's how you show your gratefulness and you just don't say it. Now, as God has you and I serve, we need to serve with grateful hearts. Maybe your house is something like this. You invite everyone over for dinner and they all show up. Why not? It's a free meal. And they sit down at the table. You've taken all day to prepare it it's ready, and then as they sit there, you serve it. After it's done, you collect all the dishes. You rest a little bit. The dishes stay in the sink. Well, everyone just kind of talks and maybe watches a football game. And then they start to get tired and say, well, we need to go. And they leave, and all the dishes are still in the sink. And it gets under your skin a little bit. God says he wants you and I to serve others outwardly with grateful hearts. Take a look at this verse, Hebrews 12, 28. Let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts. Not out of guilt, not out of duty, not out of pressure, but out of gratefulness that's in our hearts. As a spiritual family, we have an opportunity to do that. Next Sunday, deck the halls. We want to deck this place out. We want to create an atmosphere as we invite people into it that they go, wow. If you want to see the wow, go over in the children's. It is out of this world this year, and we're going to do the out, same outside and on the inside here for us and for those that we invite, and especially for our kids. Finally, the second way that you and I can demonstrate this is by living each day as a thank you note or gift to God. Take a look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Will you circle that phrase? Do it all. Whatever, whatever you say and whatever you do, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Will you circle that phrase? Giving thanks to God. Will you and when you circle that, draw a line between those two. Folks, I want our life to be a perpetual thank you gift to God. A perpetual 
thank you note to God. Not just something that we say and not just something that we do once a year. I want it to be a lifestyle. But Pastor George, right now things aren't too good. In fact, as we enter into the holidays, I'm feeling down, doobie-doo, down, down. I want you to especially give thanks now because it is the healthiest emotion that you have that make your life, your health, better. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. Give thanks in, will you circle that word? In all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do you and I do that? When we are in the midst of something that is just a downer. By knowing who God is. By knowing what God has done. And by knowing what God is going to do. You see, thanksgiving is to be a lifestyle. Because we know who he is and we know what he's done and we know what he will do. Thanksgiving is something that you and I will take into eternity future. We will not take Christmas into heaven. We will not take Easter into heaven. We will not take the 4th of July into heaven. We will not take Veterans Day into heaven. We will not take Mother's Day or Father's Day into heaven. But folks, we will take Thanksgiving. I want us to close with this verse. There's a couple of verses in Revelation that describe what's going to go on for all eternity. And one of those is in Revelation 7. And let's end with this. All the angels will be standing around the throne and all of us will fall on our faces before the throne and worship God. And we will say, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever and ever. Folks, I cannot wait for that Thanksgiving day. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. You're a kind and merciful God. You're a gracious God. You're a holy God. You're without blemish. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are unchanging. Though we change as we need to, you don't. You're the same today, yesterday, and forever. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for what you have done. How you have blessed us as a spiritual family. That we get to come together in a heated building. Loving one another taking the Lord's Supper, communion together. Thank you that we have neighbors, God, <laughs> that we live by that are nice, that keep up their yards. 
May we show them our love for you this holiday season. And God, we thank you for our future, that we know it's secure in heaven, that we have a place reserved with our name. We thank you for the here and now, that you're always with us. And though we may struggle, as we do, because life is imperfect and it's broken, and we may become fearful, maybe even downcast, you have shared with us that you are our provider, and that you are faithful. And so God, as we enter into this holiday season, starting with Thanksgiving, may we live it, not just by saying it, but by showing it for your glory and for other people's good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.